Hey, 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 welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it's me, Maggie, and I am here with a wonderful author interview. I am lucky enough to be speaking with KJ Del Antonia. She is a New York Times bestseller. Um, her book, The Chicken Sisters, was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick, and I'm sitting down to talk about her new book, In Her Boots. KJ, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. I'm so delighted to be here. I am delighted to have you. And I'm so excited to start talking about In Her Boots. I read this on an airplane and I could not put it down. I started it and I I absolutely devoured it. I finished it on the flight. It was absolutely amazing. That is every author's dream. And in particular, (laughs) the airport, the, the plane part of it, or at least I mean, there are probably authors that are like, no, I would like you to give my book the entire, I, I, I don't know. But personally, <laughs> every author I know wants to distract you for like that, that really long flight. Yes. You took me yeah, to a different world. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. But before we really delve into your book, um, we're going to start with a little warm up question. And I was actually curious to know, what is your favorite book to screen adaptation? I'm I'm not a very screen. <laughs> I don't I don't watch very much because I get really really impatient. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I, I what do I have? Do I have one? Do I even have one that I can <laughs> offer you up? I mean, I really enjoyed the heck out of the chess. Yeah. The Queen's Gambit. The Queen's Gambit. I wanted to say the chess gambit, and I'm like, that's not it. Yeah. But but truth is, I've never read it. I haven't either, but I loved the show. So good. So good. I mean, every time I like, every time I'm writing and I think to myself, well, I don't know, that's a little melodramatic. I'm like, oh, but wait, we like the Queen's Gambit just proves that not only that we do, we love melodrama, but we don't even see it. Like if you watch that and really think about it, you're like, whoa, you know, she's literally standing on a a chair clutching a thing. I mean, it's just like all the you know, everything happens to her, but we don't mind. We're fine. We're on board. We're there for that, especially in the adaptation where she's also wearing really cool clothes. I mean, honestly, her outfits alone made her an icon, but I I do. I think genuinely you can kind of get away with being really, really melodramatic as long as your writing is good. You can do whatever you want, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, And as long as it just feels true, the minute you back out and think, well, it's not very likely that both her mother would die and her adoptive parents would be this. But the, the, but you don't think that while you're reading no. because you're just there. Like, And there's a reason. We're very accepting when there's a story reason for something to, to happen, right? We understand mm-hmm. that, that she can't get to where she needs to go if, you know, if she gets bad things don't happen. There's a total payoff. It needed to happen to her for her to move in the direction she did. And it's so grounded in reality. You have no doubt that this happened to this character. You don't. You don't. It's just really, yeah. So I love that. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, KJ, could you give us a brief synopsis of your book, In Her Boots, and then just a little bit about yourself as an author and as a writer? So the really special thing about In Her Boots is that it is impossible to give a brief synopsis. And and as a writer, I have concluded that from now on, I will attempt only to write books that can be synopsized more (laughs) briefly. Uh, I I like to say that In Her Boots is about the adult we hope we've become when we grow up, the child our mothers will always see, and the uh, our terrible fear that our mother is right. (laughs) We are still the kid. It is really about 
Rhett, who has become this fantastic adult uh, icon of feminist travel. She travels the world by herself. She's a very MacGyver kind of person, very physical, very mechanical, um, but also perpetually disappointed in herself because her mother is very intellectual and she, she feels like a disappointment. So although she's written a book about her travel and she has this um, social media presence that that is all about the importance of women traveling alone, she's never inhabited that Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's written under a pseudonym and she doesn't put it her face on her social media. So no one really knows. Like, it's her. It's not so. But no one knows that it's her, which is her face. Weird, yeah, exactly. Which is this sort of Internet thing. I mean, it's like it's the, this totally real thing, but it's not actually her name. She's going to go home and inherit the family farm in theory. And at the same time, her friend convinces her to finally come out and be the the author that she has mm-hmm. that she really she truly is it's not like she's pretending to be something that she's not but when she is invited to be on the today show every author's dream and she's <laughs> going to give advice to college graduates which she feels a little incapable of doing cuz she's not a college graduate but she goes to go on and she discovers and this is all in the first five, few pages of the book the other guest is her mother and the one person she can't be herself in front of is her mother so because it's a pseudonym and she's able to do this when they say well wait which which one of you is the modern pioneer girl she grabs her best friend who's always camera ready shoves her on instead this this should be fine it should be a one off prank and these two are known for this kind of thing this is what their friendship is they do this stuff except then when Rhett gets home, she discovers that her mother really controls whether she can inherit the family farm and where she's going to go in the next chunk of her life. And her mother doesn't think she's done anything with the last 20 years. And her mother is super impressed with whoever it is that wrote this book. So um, it's a real mess. And there's no uh, there's no clear path for Rhett to get out of this. She just kind of has to ride along until she finds a way to solve her inter- you know, her, her interior problem, which is that she just doesn't feel like she can live up to her own self and then use that to maybe hopefully fix some things in her external life. Yeah, absolutely. I will say I was so impressed because on paper, it feels like there's almost too much happening. Like, how do you explain what the book is about? Because there's it's the terrible. You can't conflict. explain it. <laughs> yeah. And the internal conflict and there's so many different relationships and moving parts. In the book, like you do not waste a single page. I thought it was so impressive. Every single thing that happens moves the story forward, both internally and externally. I thought it was so clever and every everything oh, about you. it. Yeah, it was so brilliant. And every single relationship had a huge payoff in the end. And I thought that they all ended like so naturally and not all just happily ever after, but so, like you believed everything that happened to them. I thought it was genius. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so (laughs) much. Welcome. There were definitely pages at at various points that did not move the story along. (laughs) You know, there's been a lot of editing. And the one thing that I I have talked about and I think is kind of interesting is that the last change that got made to this book was to move it from third person to first person. And it just was a story that was really, you really had to ride the ride with Rhett. You really had to be in her head. And that change shifted like it just made everything work it made that, it, it made it work i was texting my boyfriend while i was reading this because that is one of the things i noticed that really stood out to me is every time rhett was angry i was angry like when she <laughs> felt like she had experienced an injustice i was like yes you did what are we going to do about this 
Well, and, you know, in my first book, The Chicken Sisters, it's close. It's what we call close third. And I found, and maybe it was also because there were two points of view, but people would often tell me that they how, <laughs> they would be angry with the character. Oh, no. <laughs> um, usually on behalf of the other character. So you were still with someone. The, the, th- the choices that Rhett makes are so particular to her and her situation that it only works if you really felt them yourself because you know they're not what you want her to do a lot of the time but it's the only thing she can do yeah absolutely i absolutely agree well do you have a favorite line or even a section of the book that you would like to share i don't have a section but i have i have a favorite <laughs> one of my favorite lines is is early on in the book and i i don't know if i can actually recite it but i it's right when she's sitting and waiting for jasmine to go out or no she's thinking about that she's going to have Jasmine replace her on the Today Show. And she's like, I am probably not the first author to ever ever chicken out in the Today Show's green room, but I'm probably the first one to ever make her best friend impersonate her instead. Um, (laughs) I love it. I feel like I'm fangirling, but I cannot speak enough praise about this book. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Do you have a favorite character or, or, and, or if it's different, a character that you feel like you relate to the most? I'm probably more the Jasmine in this situation than the Rhett, only because I, um, while Rhett's preoccupation with how people see her in the world is definitely something that I share and feel, my ability to fake uh, to fake the outside is is better. It's more more along Jasmine's lines. So I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the moments when Jasmine explains why she's been so willing to go along. That that was really fun for me to explore how someone that sort of comes across as so confident and so so together actually was really super glad to inhabit somebody else for a while. Their their relationship was so so wonderful and and truly like really really complicated almost with, with Rhett and Jasmine because they have this long distance best friendship and when they see each other they sort of skip the how are you's and they go right into what they really want to say to each other. And I think it just brings up so much emotion. And and I, re- I really loved Jasmine's journey throughout this book. Thank you. Well, and you can also thank my editor on that because it was a little different in one <laughs> iteration. And my, and my editor was like, I don't think this is what people want for her. Well, this is why we have editors. <laughs> it is why we have editors. <laughs> I was looking at your website earlier and I noticed that you've done a lot of journalism and a lot of writing about being a mother and motherhood and what it means to really like put away your screens and enjoy time with people and time with nature. And I am wondering how much of that inspired the book and how much of that inspired the really complicated relationship between Margaret and Rhett in this story. So, yeah, Margaret is very. she's very intellectual and much about books and reading and uh, screens, but in the different way, you know, in the sort of what you produce that lasts forever because it's, it's in its words. And it, you know, that's, that's very much who she is. Whereas Rhett is a really, I really, one of the things I enjoyed about writing her is I, but I'm a huge reader. I Rhett's probably not. I mean, but most of her focus is on doing things, you know, with her hands and getting out there and and hiking and riding and taking care of the animals. And I mean, that's a piece of me that I value, but it's not all of me. So I liked really leaning into that. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think the piece of her online world and her sort of relationship with having an online persona and how actually unimportant that is to her, that was kind of fun. 
Yeah, I I felt like Rhett was sort of the woman that all of us sort of wish we were. Like the person who was brave enough to know what she wanted and she quit university and went off and she explored and she knows how to do so many different things and she's just seized her opportunities all over the world. While she does profit off of that because she has a book and she has a social media page, she doesn't want that to be what defines her. Right. She's not doing it for the social media. She's doing yeah. it and... And also sharing it. And I think, yeah, that we would like to be that person. But honestly, we we often do things to share them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is not who, not what we want to be. And I think I, that piece of the book probably really ramped up during as I, I wrote it before 2020, but I revised it during 2020, you know, when we were all sort of forced to live only online and suddenly became just hyper aware of how important all the other stuff uh, is to us. It was really fun to lean into that. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of switching off the book and more into your writing process, you as an author, is do you have an author or a specific genre that has inspired your writing? Well, I definitely write what I what I read. So, <laughs> you know, I like to read. Most of what I read is, is it's fun, it's commercial, it's I love a good rom-com. I do like literary fiction, but it had better move. Like it had better have some, yeah. some, some plot and some, some stuff going on. And yeah, I just like to be taken out of myself. Yeah. So look for that. Yeah. I'm really happy. Like there are certain things where you're like, you know, if you write a story about a city chef who moves to the country and starts a tiny restaurant and, and makes all the mistakes that people who live in the city and move to the country, I will read that. It doesn't really matter. None of the rest of the externalities or what genre it's. If you could kill people during and there's a mystery, I'll read that. You know, you can, uh, they can also have uh, science fiction powers. I'll still read that. You know, it can be like a city on Mars and a small town on the moon. I'm, that's fine. I'm there for that. All of the people overturning their lives in an attempt to um, find happiness. I guess I'm, I'm there for that every time. I love it. I love it so much. I I love a big city person going to the small town and learning more about themselves. It is, I guess you would call it a trope that I will never get sick of. Me too. Me too. And, you know, knowing, know thyself, reader, and, and just go ahead. Like, that's fine. Just, you know, that just because you love that doesn't mean that you should now switch and only read books about I don't know, twins discovering that they're really different, which is, I think there are people who are like, yes, all the books about twins. You like what you like, right? You like what you like, right? I guess that kind of leads into this next question, but how has small town life or living on a farm sort of impacted your journey as a writer? I, I will confess, I haven't finished The Chicken Sisters, but that is also about, you know, two women from, from different livelihoods, but it features like a small town. And I'm just kind of wondering what, what inspired you to write about that? So that one is kind of my, that's my, that's my small town exploration. The chicken sisters mm -hmm. got a lot more to it, but one of the things that I love about it, it's got two point of views, two sisters from a small town, one who stays and one who goes, mm -hmm. and they both think they're right. And they would both like the other to acknowledge that they were right, but they're both wrong. And so that book kind of um, comes in part. I grew up in Kansas. I didn't, it was not a small town, just felt like a small town to me compared to where I live now. It's not a small town <laughs> at all. And all I wanted was to get out. 
And then as an adult, I moved to a vastly small, I mean, there are 1600 people in our small town. We literally vote on things by sitting in the school gym and raising our hands. Um, it's tiny. And I love, I love that too. So I both, you know, wanted to get away from that and wanted to come back to it. So both, so those characters are, are sort of living both of those yeah. e- extremes. Um, and I think people have, uh, you know, people either long for a small town in part because they're not actually, they don't really know what it is like to live in one or they want to get out of it or they've realized, yeah, this is, you know, it's got to, I mean, literally my husband was in the grocery store the other day, not even in our town. It's one town over because we don't have a grocery store. And he overheard some parent complaining about our son who had <laughs> dated a friend of their child. Just to sum up, they were all dis- displayed. My husband had to like <laughs> slink out of the grocery store because they're talking about our kid. We're always telling our kids, it's like, you know, you might not think the adults around you know us, but they do. They do. Just, and that's why my kids will want to flee. And then probably someday as well, someday while they want to come back. I didn't grow up in a small town, but I grew up in Wisconsin. So similarly, it just felt small. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when I was growing up, all the stories I were re- I was really attracted to, to were like stories where teenage girls or young adults went off to Europe or mm-hmm. went off and found themselves. And change yourselves. And change yourself. Yes. And yeah. now I did that. Like I lived in a few different cities and now all the stories I love are about people <laughs> going Don't back to that. the small towns. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm a little tired. Like it just sounds nice to have a little house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And to know everyone. And Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say goes into your writing process? And specifically, how do you build and create your different characters? I really have to write them to find them. I, I spend a lot of time. I mean, I, I typically know a lot of deep history about people that doesn't get into it. I don't really write it. I don't have a character sheet. The one thing that I find that I always do, and I mean, always is a stretch because I'm you know writing my third book, so I, I, I tend to start by naming people and I can't name them unless I know who their parents are because their parents would have given them the name. Mm. So I often can't figure out who their parents are unless I know who their parents are. Now I do stop there usually, <laughs> depends on the book, but I just feel like you can't, I can't know anything about them unless I know who their family was. So that tends to be where I, where I start is, you know, who, who was your family and what did they leave you believing about who you are? Yeah, I think, honestly, that is so present in your writing, because you can tell like how affected Rhett is by her parents, how affected Margaret is by her parents, and how affected the grandmother is by her children, or her son, and her parents. And you can Mm -hmm. just, you can tell that that plays into everything that they do and the choices that they make. Yeah, and it's very true in the Chicken Sisters. And it's, it's true in the the book that I'm working on as well, I guess. um, That's, that's just huge for me. I, yeah, it's the thing that I I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, you do it. Chef's kiss. Great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So now I have to confess, this is a little bit of a selfish question because I'm a huge Reese Witherspoon lady, but I have to know, how did it feel to be on the Reese Witherspoon book club? It It felt amazing. I mean, every imagining that you have of what it would be like to get that phone call and, and be a part of that is absolutely 100% true. I mean, except for the part where like I get to go hang out with her and be her new best friend. That didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and it could have, it could have, like, I, I think, <laughs> no, it was, it was fantastic. 
fantastic and not at all something I had ever. It just, it had not even entered my consciousness as a remote possibility. So when it happened, it was, I I honestly thought when I got the call from my editor, I thought they were calling to either cancel or postpone the book because it was 2020. And that was, you know, a thing that was happening all over the place. So, well, no, it was great. What a better phone call. I think it will probably go to, I have gotten some good phone calls in my life. Uh, That I think will probably never be topped. I believe it. I mean, congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, our last question, what is your personal all-time favorite book? That's so hard. I know. It is eternally, eternally changing. So, you know, I might I might tell you one and then and then I'll come back to someone else. I think probably my personal all-time favorite book has to be Gaudy Night by Dorothy Sayers. Oh, what is that about? I, I don't even think I've heard of that. So Gaudy Night, I I can put my hands on it. That's how favorite. Not only that, but look look how it taped. And it's like this sad little page. And I actually have another copy. This is just one copy. It's a a classic, um, I forget what they call this era in murder mysteries, but Dorothy Sayers was one of the 1920s through 1940s that the golden era of murder mysteries. And she writes these books about this character named Lord Peter Whimsey. And he has this woman that he loves, Harriet Fane. And Gaudy Night is the book after many, many, many books of them not being together in which they finally... Uh, spoiler, <laughs> they come together. And it's just, it's this really, it's an academic story because it takes place at Oxford. It's a murder mystery. It's a, it's a re- crazy exploration of, of feminism at the time and what women, what is expected of women and what women expect of themselves. Actually, it's, I mean, it's like, it's so layered. And the funny thing is I was, do you read, have you read Abby Waxman's books Nina Hill the bookish life of Nina Hill and yes so she has a current book called adult assembly required and it's um super fun a a, a nice float down of stream of a book it's very uh, it's very much I want to live more more life in the bookish life of Nina Hill but at some point one of the characters who's a bookseller has someone come and say I want to read more golden age of mystery mysteries because I just read one and I loved it so much and she's like what was it he's like gaudy night and she's like I'm sorry a that's the like that's the pinnacle but B, now you can't, like, you can't go back. Like there's, you have to go read some other stuff and clear your palate. And then in a year, you can go back and start at the beginning because it's such a good, anyway. So that's probably my all time favorite book. And I think I have answered that consistently. I love that choice. And I will add that to my list immediately. But I don't know. So you should go back and start with early Maybe, yeah. Peter and Harriet. Build up. I'll build up to it. Yeah. Because then I want the good payoff of them finally coming together. It is a payoff. Yeah. It is all the payoff. Yeah. Plus, you know, murder mystery and and 1930s England. So it's kind of my vibe. Yeah, I know. I'm there for that. I'm totally there for that. Um, Before we let you go, KJ, do you have any final thoughts for us? And where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about you or following you on social media? So the best place to find me is, well, I have a website, kjdelantonia.com, and you can sign up for my vaguely weekly email where I give a, a, a book, a, a read, an eat, and a listen. So something to read, something to either make, cook, or maybe just go buy because once it was Oreos. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pop Rock Oreos, man. They're gone now, so... 
we'll come back to the next 4th of July, but, uh, and a listen. So a podcast or an audio book usually, or you can follow me on Instagram, which is at KJDA. And that's pretty much a solid books, bookstagram account. It's just book, 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 a little bit about me writing book, 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 <laughs> probably some mini ponies, dog, book, 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 cat, book. I mean, really, what, what did I just say that was bad, right? Nothing. Yeah. Well, if you guys are interested in following KJ, I'm going to link her website and her Instagram in our episode description. Um, KJ, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And you guys get out there and buy in her boots. I cannot recommend it enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you are interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We will see you all next week. Bye.